Welcome to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast, home to all things hockey in our great province. Now, here's your host, Ted Emmett. Hello and welcome back to the Center Ice podcast, episode 20, which is a pretty fun milestone to hit. So thank you for tuning in once again. I am your host, Ted Emmett. Excited to be back with you for a 20th time. And of course, February is Black History Month. And like we did one year ago on the podcast, we're shining the spotlight on a few of the many Black Albertans and their success in the game of hockey and also the ways they're working to help make the game better for everyone. Kara Spady sat down with TJ Miller, a Calgarian who quickly rose through the coaching ranks and earned himself a position with the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. Uh, they're going to chat about his coaching journey and some of the adversity he faced along the way. Kara also had a quick chat with Turner McIntyre, who plays in the Alberta Elite Hockey League for the St. Albert U16 AAA Flyers, about his role models and how he hopes to be a role model himself for black hockey players coming up behind him. Then I sat down with Anton Joseph, who is the chairperson for Hockey Alberta's newly formed Diversity Inclusion Committee, which is aimed at identifying the inequalities in the game of hockey and working towards making the game safe and enjoyable for everyone. So with that, I'll throw to Kara Spady and her interview with TJ Miller. Join now with Toronto Maple Leafs Coaching Development Associate TJ Miller. TJ, you've had a neat journey in hockey so far, but let's start at the beginning. How did you get involved in the sport? Well, it's, I don't mean to sound cliche like everybody, but I grew up around it being from Calgary, surrounded by, by rinks and obviously being in the cold. Uh, I was pretty fortunate that I had a pretty strong hockey background and support system my whole life with, with my father being the president of Hockey Calgary at one point in time. And it, it was a game that I immediately fell in love with and, and obviously couldn't get enough of. And you know, I just being on the rink when I was a really young guy going through minor hockey and just just enjoying every second of it. And I've been extremely fortunate to continue to be a part of the game for sure. But just getting involved right from I think I might have been three or four when I started getting on the ice. So it's it's been a, a lifetime of fun for me. It has been a lifetime. That's no joke for lots of people. They kind of drift away from the game once they get to college. But TJ, you played minor hockey growing up and then you actually got to go over to Finland to the University of Finland and specialized in hockey coaching. So what was that experience like from going from Calgary to Finland for university and why did you choose to go? A, a lot of decision making went into that, but it, it was pretty simple as, as it was. It was an opportunity for me to invest in myself in taking hockey to the next level. I had realized that you know, I, I had a strong passion for the game. That I wanted to stay involved in it, and I I do did recognize that my playing ability wasn't going to allow me to play forever. So I, I looked to some alternative opportunities for myself. And I had been working with Hockey Canada at that time and assisting with their summer development camps with their youth programs. And you know, coaching really stuck out to me. It was something that. You know, I felt as though I could bring the same energy every single day, really enjoying and trying to share my love for the game. And this opportunity came to learn the more ins and outs and the disciplines of coaching within the Viramaki Institute in Finland. And I, I was all in. You know, I, I was a young guy. So I also, it allowed me to grow as a person. I was 18, going on 19 years old, moving across the world to go to university. It was, uh, it was a wide opening, a wide eye moment for myself going across the world where English wasn't the first language. I was going by myself. So I had to 
I was going to university in a, in a residence in a dorm. So I had to learn how to cook meals for myself. I had to learn how to fend for myself. Like I grew up a lot and I grew up really quickly, but the opportunities in Viramaki were, were second to none. The resources they had with the national team programs that they had there, the, the seminars and the speakers that came in to teach the little intricacies that are within coaching in itself and the life skills that came along the way by traveling and being over there and being surrounded by the Finnish people were, was an excellent decision to me and one of the best decisions I made in my life. Yeah, most of us, we grow up and graduate and go to college three hours down the road and we think we have to grow up and here you are moving across the world, literally. Yeah. And the, the opportunities, though, like you said, are endless. And it's, it really did set you up for what was next to come in your career. But was coaching something that you had always been passionate about? Like once you realized that you could bring that energy to the ice the same way and to the game the same way, or did it take a little while for you to actually catch on? I always knew that I wanted to stay involved in hockey and in whatever capacity would allow me to stay a part of it i was i was more than ready when i first went to to university in finland i originally thought that you know scouting and recruiting was an avenue that i wanted to explore but i i feel as though i really bonded with being on the ice and taking a part in in players development just that whole camaraderie scene that hockey does have and the inclusion component of it all being a part of something great which is having fun on the ice developing creating success on on and on and on and off the ice excuse me but you know it, it just kind of fell into place and i realized that it was something that i was truly passionate about you know one thing led to another and i still get to be doing it so I think things fell into place as they were meant to be for me. And I, I'm just truly grateful. Yeah, exactly. So you went to Finland, you're now in Toronto, but you had a couple stops along the way. Um, do you want to talk about your career thus far and uh, how you got to where you're at? Yeah. So, so when I finished my two years in Viramaki, it was time to embark in the real world, another journey inside of my life. So when I came back to North America to continue coaching, I was the video coach of the Tri-City Americans in the Western Hockey League, which was a tremendous experience for me to get my foot in the door and get a new component in coaching, which is video. And you see how technologically advanced the sport has become where, you know, there's replays, there's some significant breakdowns inside of the game. I had the lead role with that with the Americans, and it was great for me to learn the finer details, at least at the major junior level and so forth, and working with those athletes who were getting drafted to the National Hockey League and those young players that were moving a far, far away from home. And then they're going through the same processes that I did a few years before when I went to Finland. So that was a great opportunity for me to get my first knack at coaching and great experience down there. Um, moving forward from my time with Tri-City, I spent two seasons with the Nip One Hawks in the Saskatchewan Junior League, transitioning into an assistant coaching role. Again, a, a tremendous opportunity, a couple seasons of great success where we inevitably won the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League Championship in 2018. In a season that was very, very memorable in a sense, we were, we were the team that were playing the Humboldt Broncos in the tragic bus crash on April 6th. So a very tragic event. It was uh, a moment I never wished to ever happen to anybody again. And it was a, it was a season that I'll never forget for sure. And upon departing Nippa, when I was in Bonneville with the Bonneville Pontiacs in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, I was there for three seasons. And this last season, as you know, we talked before we aired this interview was 
a whirlwind in my third year because I was gearing up and getting ready to go to training camp. We were starting the very next day. And before I knew it, I had a phone call and I was heading out to Toronto. So now I find myself here working for the Maple Leaf organization. And the last eight years have absolutely flown by. I can't believe it's been eight years of coaching to this point. But again, as, as I've mentioned, I think five or six times just feel so lucky to be, be a part of this great game. Yeah, it's true what they say. Everything in in hockey, it, it's a long process to get there. And then things happen and you're there and things happen quickly after that. So yes, absolutely. So can you tell us about your current role with the Maple Leafs? Yeah. So the, the coaching development program is served as a mentorship opportunity for, for myself as a coach to spend time with all three teams inside the Maple Leaf organization. We have the, the Newfoundland Growlers in the ECHL, the Toronto Marlies in the American Hockey League, and obviously the Toronto Maple Leafs. I get a great opportunity to work closely with each staff with on-ice and off-ice responsibilities with a lot of video work, a lot of time spent underneath each coach with any type of responsibilities that they might require of me. And to give you an example as to some of the things that I've done up until this point, um, I was fortunate enough to go down to Newfoundland, spend some time with the Growlers and be on the bench for the first four games of the regular season. Uh, It was an unbelievable experience. My first taste of pro hockey, being in an assistant coaching role, working with professional hockey players as far as running practices and co-hosting meetings with the teams and then transitioning to a supporting role with the, both the Marlies and the Maple Leafs and, you know, being the eye in the sky, breaking down video and pre-scouting opponents. And it's just been, it's been great. It's been, you know, you, when you get into the position like this, I didn't really know exactly what I was getting myself into, you know, mentorship opportunities, three teams. It's consisted of unbelievable moments and opportunities and really seeing what it takes at this next level. And for me as a coach, it's been a significant amount of growth and just trying to enjoy every second that I can. And one of the other things that I can really talk about within my role is just really an opportunity to shed light on just what's important in hockey, which is the team mentality and supporting the individual throughout all these times. I find myself in a great opportunity here working with players that are transitioning through multiple teams by way of call-ups and reassignments. And it's been a great opportunity for me to learn from those players, no different than they might be able to learn something from me. Yeah, Getting to work with three different teams like that you have your ECHL, your AHL, and then you have your NHL. And you talk about uh, learning from them as much as they're learning from you. But do you find that at every level, it's a little bit different mentality what they have to go through because each person is kind of striving to get to the next step, but then they get to the NHL and like now they're just trying to stay there. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very, very interesting question and something that I have you know, when I look at the players that I get to work with every day, I I notice they have that continual focus to get better every single day, whether they're the top of their game in the NHL, or they're just, you know, they're earning their stripes, they're making their immediate impact as a first year player in the ECHL. They're all trying to forge their own journey in the sport. And it's something that I have recognized. And when I look back on my time with players, and just trying to ensure that, you know, they're working hard, they're enjoying what they're doing. And, and that's no different than what you see at this level. You see, you see players that are now making a living being able to do what they do. And it's just, it, it's great. Yeah, really neat opportunities to, to learn about the game and as a whole and at so many different levels. The experience you're getting is absolutely priceless. 
Um, But from my understanding, the MLSE manager and coaching development program was developed in line with its commitment to advance diversity and inclusion. In your opinion, how important is this commitment to support the initiative that hockey is for everyone? It's incredibly important. And I have always, you know, from from day one, had a significant amount of respect and, and pride within this program and a lot of respect for the Maple Leaf organization in creating these opportunities for people of color or those of minority backgrounds, because this game is deserving or everyone is deserving to be a part of this game or to feel the impact that this game can have on people in a positive way. The the feeling that you get being a part of a team accomplishing tremendous things through growth, through bonding as individuals and bonding as a team is truly something that is special. And I think that's a big reason as to why someone like myself is so passionate about this game. But the game needs to be uh, amassed by by everybody. Everybody needs to be involved and everyone is welcome to be involved. And that's just kind of the dialogue that needs to take place and needs to be consistent because this this is a truly special sport that we have. We want to make sure that it's being outreached to to everybody that everybody that can be part of it. Yeah. And I think as we talk about the ECHL and the AHL and the NHL and just the initiatives that are coming out of the out of the leagues right now. And unfortunately, this the situations that have arose too in recent weeks. And as a person of color, have you ever experienced any uh, adversity or racism growing up playing hockey in Calgary or during your career so far? I have, yes. Um, un- unfortunately, and and to be to be real and honest within this conversation, it's it's something that I personally have dealt with at every level. It's something that uh, when you when you reflect. It might be due to people potentially being uncomfortable. I, I don't always want to feel as though people are coming from a position of hate or not wanting you around. But but yes, it is. It has been there for me growing up. But you know, after like I mentioned before, reflecting and thinking back on the, the life that I have lived and the journey that I've been a part of, I, it it's just a constant reminder for me to, as we mentioned about the sport being for everybody to continue along my path and contribute to the change in the game, which is being more inclusive to those and giving everyone an opportunity to be a part of it. There's, there's no room for it. It should never be, be a thought. It's, it should just be, okay, here's a sport that everybody loves and gets to play. And with it being so ingrained in the Canadian culture or even worldwide for that matter, it's something that should be eradicated, but at all levels it has happened to me. And I think it has inevitably made me stronger as a person and through thick skin as well. It's allowed me to overcome some adversities in my personal life and in my playing and coaching career. It just, it just gives you a reminder that you're doing something great because what you might be doing today might help somebody tomorrow. And that, that, that's what matters most to me. As you started off, it is important to be uh, real and honest when we have these conversations talking to to Turner McIntyre, I I just talked to him. He's a 16 year old and he was playing U12 and experienced it. There's guys older than both of us who have experienced it and continue, continue to experience it in the game. And so I think it's really important that we're shedding light on this conversation and that you are continuing, continue to keep going in your career and uh, pushing the boundaries and pushing those kinds of conversations that are those negative conversations and incidents, mm-hmm. um, pushing those boundaries and continue to keep going. But 
Uh, February is Black History Month. How important is the conversation that this month generates, not just in hockey, but in society? Yeah, I, I think it's incredibly important. I, I think, you know, it doesn't doesn't only have to be restricted to a month. I think it's a conversation that be, can be had consistently and constantly. And it's a matter of recognizing the diverse world that we live in and how beautiful it can be. But I do believe that this next month is important. And when we look at the current events that have taken place inside the game of hockey, we, we recognize that, that we have a long way to go. And it, it can be... It can be rather frustrating at times because when you when you see progress happening, sometimes it feels like you might take a couple of steps backward when incidents like these occur. But as we go into the next few weeks and in February, it's important to remember that we need to continue to have these dialogues or push the needle, as I say, and potentially having uncomfortable conversations. But by having these com uncomfortable conversations, all it's doing is, is growing people. It's sharing insight, it's sharing opinion, it's sharing beliefs and values, and perhaps learning something that you might not know about somebody or a potential group. And again, working on unifying everybody to create that equality that everybody in society or sport are equally trying to accomplish. And I see the growth, I see the potential, I see the opportunities that we can have. And I just want to make sure that every, or we as a society want to make sure that we're all doing our part in doing what is right, having those conversations and allowing people to grow. And coinciding the having the conversations, how important do you think visibility is? Oh, visibility is, is everything. It's something that when I embarked on this opportunity with the Maple Leafs, I, I made a note to say that I may not, you know, make a massive impact coaching and we, we could recognize that. But one of the things I really wanted to do was I wanted to be a a voice. I want it to be a vision. I want it to be something that somebody looked at and said, Hey, it's a younger kid that is growing up, wants to get involved in hockey, wants to get into coaching, but might feel inferior, maybe because of the color of their skin or the group they belong to. They look at someone like me and they say, okay, this, this could happen. This can happen. It has happened or it's happening. It's that visual that really takes it home. And, and I think the Maple Leafs have done a really great job by bringing in Marion and myself and again, continuing to push the needle to have those conversations, to bring people to the forefront and just show that this sport needs an overhaul, needs a change, needs inclusion. And they're doing exactly that. And I'm incredibly thankful for that. Yeah, the, the Maple Leafs, the association itself has done an amazing job with diversity and inclusion and their commitment to making a change in hockey. And I think that you touched on it a little bit, but uh, that you wanted to be someone who a kid could look up to and say, you know, TJ's doing it, that I can do this um, and I can be a part of this game. So what would you say to that kid who's um, watching your career and your story unfold? You know, I, if, if I could say anything and I don't ever be discouraged, don't ever let you, anyone tell you otherwise, if, if you believe in what you're doing, if you believe in accomplishing great things and you do what's right and you're a great person, anything can and will happen for you if you, if you work towards it and it's don't, don't ever give up. And it's, I, w I wish I could say more, but really when I look back on my life, it's really stay the course, trust everything that's happening to you, learn from your experiences, but most importantly, go after what you want and stay the course. That's 
fantastic advice. And I think any kid watching or listening uh, should take that to heart and stay the course. TJ, you bring so much passion and so much energy to your role. And I absolutely love talking to you about this. But lastly, here at Hockey Alberta, we strongly support the idea of hockey for life. What does that phrase mean to you? Well, for me, when I look at hockey, I, I always go back to what the game has given for me or given to me. The game has given me an opportunity to create relationships that have, have and will last a lifetime. They've given me memories that I, I will never forget. They've given me the opportunity to learn from people. And I always say that it's always important to give back what you've been given. So when I say hockey is for life, it's important to always recognize where you came from and what you can do to continue that story and just make sure that, you know, if, if you're not playing, maybe you give back to the community by way of coaching or helping out or volunteering your time or or just reaching out to an old teammate and just saying, hey, remember when we when we played in that tournament in, in Airdrie or when I, for example, when I was with the Alberta Winter Games with the U12 prospects. And it's one of the greatest memories of my life. And I might be able to call up my old head coach and say, hey, remember a few years ago when, when we won the gold medal? Like, wow, wasn't that great? And we can just... You know, hockey is such a unifying sport and it's it's truly incredible to be a part of. And when we think about hockey is for life, it's it's the messaging, the feeling, the experiences that the sport leaves you with that truly are special. And whether you're playing, coaching or just just a fan, the, the game leaves a unique impact on every individual. And it's it's something that, as the quote has said, it's for life. Thank you again to TJ Miller and to Kara Spady for that interview. It was only, I think, two years ago that TJ was a gold medalist at the Alberta Winter Games in Airdrie. Now he's working for perhaps the biggest franchise in the National Hockey League. Uh, so dream big, work hard, and yeah, good things can happen. Uh, we're going to keep things rolling here and go right into Kara's interview with Turner McIntyre. Here now with St. Albert U16 AAA Flyers forward Turner McIntyre. Turner, how did you get involved in hockey? Well, when I was young, I started off. I just grew a passion for it. I started, I think, when I was five or six years old. And then that actually, when I was around seven, I actually quit hockey for like two years. And I just came back. My love grew back. And I haven't stopped yet. And what made you decide to come back? Well, I just felt like I had nothing really to do in life. So my passion just grew for it. And I decided to come back. Now you're playing in the AEHL. What's it like to play in a league of that caliber? Well, every every team has good players. I know every game I got to go in focused and ready to go. There's no, uh, I can't have an off night. So yeah, there's a lot of strong players, great players, and it's a competitive league. Yeah, it's a very competitive league, but with that level of playing, there's all sorts of eyes on you. So in December, the WHL held its annual entry draft where you heard your name called in the 10th round, 203rd overall by the Winnipeg Ice. What was this moment like and were you expected to be tra- to be drafted? I was upstairs scrolling through the draft and I see my name come up. I had talked to Winnipeg before, but I wasn't really expecting to get drafted. But I saw my name pop up and it was just me and my mom at home and we were really excited. So Winnipeg has a really strong team this year. Is cracking the roster now one of your goals? It is one of my goals, yeah. I've been working really hard to try to get better at hockey, but I also realize that I'm a young guy, so making the roster will be tough. But the opportunities are endless, and as we've seen, work hard, working hard will get you there. Uh, so what keeps you motivated? Well, my love for the game. 
I want to go as far as I can uh, with the game, and I just want to be the best player I can be. After the draft, you were quoted in the St. Albert today saying, I want to thank black men and women that came before me that kind of paved the path for me. I feel inspired to be a role model and lead for those who are coming up behind me. Can you talk about this? And do you feel any pressure being one yourself, being a role model now? Yeah, some of the role models I looked up to when I was younger was Carmelo Crandall, who was a really good player. Uh, also, Jerome McGinley and Quentin Byfield. Those are kind of my role models. And also Tyson Greenway. Those are my role models. And uh, now that I feel like I'm growing a bigger name for myself, I feel like I can be a good role model to those who are coming up behind me. So as a person of color, how important it is to have that kind of visibility in the sport of hockey? It's important. Yeah, I always want to I always want to bring up bring up those kids with me. I want to help them not be not felt feel unwelcome or like they don't want them here. Like hockey is a sport for everybody. In February is Black History Month. So how important is the conversation that this month generates, not just in hockey, but in society? Yeah, in the world right now, there's racism has gone down, but it's still not, not away yet. So um, let everyone know about, like, about it, like what went on. Uh, just helps the world and helps hockey too. Yeah, and just recently, there's been some acts in the professional ranks that have uh, come to light. And I think the visibility and continuing to talk about it and shed light on it is really important for society as a whole to continue to go forward. Turner, as you grew up playing, did you experience any adversity or racism in hockey? Uh, one time back in peewee hockey, I experienced some racism. But other than that, um, I've been hockey's been well. I've been treated, treated nicely, treated like a just teammate. When we talk about hockey and we talk about hockey is for everyone in the recent weeks, there's been a lot of skepticism about if hockey is actually for everyone, but uh, with the visibility and with the conversation continuing to grow, it's great to hear that you have felt that hockey is a safe place for you. And if you could say anything to the little boy or girl watching your story unfold, what would it be? I would just say, follow your passion. Don't follow what other people think of you. Uh, Just be yourself. And do what do what your heart desires, do what you want to do in life. Even if you're not playing, you can still be a part of the game, like coaching, watching. You can be a fan, you can be a player, you can be anything you want. But when you're a part of the game, it just builds that community. So thank you again, Kara and Turner, for that. Uh, always great to hear from a, a young hockey player, uh, someone coming up through the game and, you know, what they've experienced already and what they've seen and, and who their influences are as well. So uh, thank you, Turner, for taking the time to do that. Uh, Before we get to my interview with Anton Joseph, it is, of course, time to take a look at what's going on around the province. So here's what you need to know. First off, of course, we can't go the entire episode and not mention the Olympic Games, which by the time this episode comes out, I think we'll be right in the middle of. I'm not sure where things will be at when you're listening to this, but right now, Canada's national women's team on an incredible run. I mean, they are good. It's been great to watch, a lot of fun to watch. And I know the men's team has just started preliminary games. So with that being said, we wanted to give a shout out to all of the Albertans who are over in China right now. Goaltender Emerence Moshmeyer is with the women's team, along with a trio of Albertans on staff there. A video coach James Emery, goaltending consultant Brad Kirkwood, and athletic therapist Christine Atkins. And on the men's team from Alberta, we have Corbin Knight, Adam Tambellini, Matt Robinson, and Matt Tompkins. A couple of Albertans on the men's coaching staff as well, with assistant coaches Nolan Baumgartner and Jeremy Colaton. 
Of course, General Manager Shane Doan is Albertan as well. And with team physician Dr. David Manning and equipment manager Blair Smook, that is a lot of Alberta representation on Team Canada, uh, which is great to see. But it doesn't stop there, as former Team Alberta forward Cassie Betanol was selected to play for Team China. Uh, so the opportunity to play for the host country, probably pretty incredible. Although I know China has been eliminated at this point, but still uh, what an honor for Cassie there. And also on the women's side, Banff-born Akane Hosoyamada, I apologize if I butchered her last name, is making her second Olympics appearance with Team Japan. Uh, former Team Alberta defenseman Jake Sanderson, who is a dual citizen, made Team USA's roster at the age of 19, which is uh, well, pretty impressive. Brothers Spencer and Parker Fu from Edmonton also have the opportunity to skate for their host team as they were named to Team China's roster, along with former Lethbridge Hurricanes star Tyler Wong. And last but not least, we have Albertan Lacey Senek, who was on the last episode of Center Ice, who is officiating female hockey really as we speak, uh, and Kevin Webinger, who will officiate at the Paralympics in China at the end of February and beginning of March. So a really extensive list there, and a huge congratulations to all of the Albertans representing our province in the game of hockey on the world's biggest stage. In other news, it's hard to believe it's already been three years since the 2019 Canada Winter Games were hosted here in Red Deer, but it's already time to start thinking about the next games as coaching applications are open for Team Alberta U16 male and U18 female for the 2023 Canada Winter Games in Prince Edward Island. Uh, the female team is looking for a head coach, two assistant coaches, a video coach, and a goaltender coach. On the male side, they're looking for two assistants and a video coach, as they've already announced Serge Lejoie as the team's head coach. The deadline to apply is coming up quick, February 24th, so if that is something that interests you, you can head to HockeyAlberta.ca for more details. And a stick tap to Hockey Alberta's Coach of the Month for January, Candace Patton, the head coach of the Battle River Knights U11 female team. Only a couple chances left to nominate a coach who makes a huge impact in your community, and they could win a $500 coaching package from Players Bench Team Apparel. You can find out how to nominate a coach at HockeyAlberta.ca. And that's what you need to know. With us now is Anton Joseph, the chairperson for Hockey Alberta's Diversity Inclusion Committee. Anton, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Well, no, thank you for having me, Ted. So first off, before we get into the, the Diversity Inclusion Committee, can you just share a bit about yourself and your uh, experience within hockey and sport? I've, I've been involved in sport all my life. Um, I had the good fortune of uh, playing Canadian junior football, actually, um, here in, in Calgary, Alberta. And then I went down to the United States and was involved in uh, college football and track and field. But my background as it relates to hockey, I've had the good fortune of working in the sport training ind industry for close to 32 years now. And I've worked with over 40,000 athletes, including some of the top hockey players here in Alberta. I've had the good fortune of training individuals like uh, Gary Roberts, Joe Newendike, Trevor Kidd, Ron Stern, Sandy McCarthy. I've worked with uh, individuals like Ryan Getzoff, Braden Coburn, um, Danny Heatley, and I've really developed a passion for the game and, and working with athletes to get them and their their play to the next level. Oh, that's funny. You mentioned Gary 
Gary Roberts, Sandy McCarthy. My childhood growing up in Calgary as a Flames fan really brought me back there. I'm not going to say exactly when because I don't think anyone likes to, to age themselves, but obviously very involved in the game. So you have seen a, a lot and have a lot of experience. I guess now you can elaborate a bit on what the Diversity Inclusion Committee is. And I guess its main goals are obvious, but again, maybe elaborate a, a little bit more on, on that. Well, one of the biggest things that we want to do is find out what is currently going on in terms of the climate as it relates to hockey and and inclusion and diversity in the sport here in Alberta. And then be in a situation where we gather the information that's necessary in order to make the sport as inclusive and as as friendly for individuals to take part in as possible. One of the challenges that many of us don't even realize are some of the barriers that are associated with participating in any sport, let alone a sport like hockey. So we want to make sure that we are addressing some of the biggest concerns and then being in a position where we promote the game as being all-inclusive to various populations, backgrounds, and and people of, of different orientations so that they feel comfortable in playing in the sport and being able to grow this great sport. And so when the opportunity came to join the committee, obviously something that interested you and something you, I assume, immediately wanted to be a part of? Well, 100%. I was in a position where I was finishing my uh, master's in business and I had, uh, I've had i had a great experience working with various organizations, including uh, organizations within hockey as it relates to governance and, and sitting on boards and, and working with and bringing people together. And I, when I was approached by the opportunity to chair the committee, it felt right. It felt like a great opportunity to not only work with some of my skill set and be able to lend that to the committee itself, but to be able to really make a difference as it relates to the sport and be in a position where we could affect um, change if necessary. And I know these are always hard discussions to have and, and hard to hear, but important discussions. And as far as the committee goes, I know it is just that it, it is diverse. So for yourself, um, what does it mean to have the opportunity, even in that committee, to really share your stories and experiences and the racism and adversity and, and discrimination you've come up against and hear other other people's stories as well? Well, it, it's it's critical in terms of the being in a position where we can understand where individuals are coming from in terms of their experiences as it relates to racism, as it relates to discrimination, uh, whether it's um, racialized discrimination and or uh, orientation discrimination, um, male, female, that sort of thing. The challenge most people have is they don't have a voice. And and. We felt that this committee needed to have a voice to, to lend an ear, so to speak, to those individuals that were wanting to provide and share their stories because it's important to, in order to affect change. You have to be in a position where you listen to what concerns that are out there. One of the challenges as well is being in a position where we understand what the problems are. Um, it's one thing to put together a committee and have ideas of and notions of what might be out there and what might be happening as it relates to racism, what may, might be ha- happening as it relates to discrimination. But if until we sit down and listen to not only all the stakeholders within hockey, but the outside community as well, and their perception of the sport, we are hard pressed to put forth any change. So one of the first things that we've done is actually commissioned a survey for the current membership to find out what their thoughts are as it relates to the status of the game currently. We've had as a committee uh, individuals that have come forth and provided their stories as it relates to racism. I know in sport, 
I have uh, faced some adversity over the years as it relates to uh, being involved in football and, and involved in uh, many other sports that I've been involved in. And I, I feel that there's no room for that in sport. In order to be in a situation where you can truly create an inclusive environment, we have to address some of the concerns that are currently out there, listen to the people that are being affected, and then provide recommendations and do the things that are necessary to affect change. Yeah, and I know, you know, when we when we talk about hockey, we all love hockey, but I think the one thing we have to admit is that hockey is, it's come a long way, but it is still predominantly viewed as a, a Caucasian male-dominated sport. So, Obviously, with Hockey Alberta and working on the, the Diversity Inclusion Committee, you know, there's those steps being taken at the governance level. Uh, what about for individuals? You know, it, what can an individual do to help make the game safer for safer and more inclusive for everyone? Well, I like to th- I like to think of it as the ICE principle. So, being able to be in a position where they can provide information. So, um, for example, uh, reporting uh, incidences that occur right now. Not a lot of individuals are in a position where they feel comfortable with pro- stepping forward and providing detailed information on what has happened, uh, whether to them or to a teammate. So, creating an environment where individuals feel comfortable in order to provide that information. Currently, Hockey Alberta has a a method of reporting on the Hockey Alberta website for incidents of racial uh, racialized discrimination and or and or gender discrimination but we need to make that more prevalent and more uh, individuals aware of that and make sure that all associations all um, parties have that information so that they can make accurate reporting. The second with that ICE principle that I was talking about is communication. So being in a position where we open lines of dialogue and communication, not only with the stakeholders, but at the various associations, as well as Hockey Canada itself. If we are able to share that information and share it freely and create an environment where individuals feel comfortable and knowing that they won't be persecuted with the information that they can provide, I believe we'll, we'll be able to open the dialogue and to address some of the concerns that are out there. But then lastly, it's all about execution. So actually following up on some of the recommendations and some of the issues that are out there as it relates to the sport and having some concrete solutions and moving forward with that. Because without that execution, it becomes more lip service than anything. So we've got to make sure that we're following up, not only as a as a committee and an, as an association, but as a sport as in general, and, and making sure that we echo the fact that there is no place for these things in sport. And I know you, you touched on it a bit, kind of the, the racism that you've experienced uh, in your sporting career and, and your time in sports. Can you maybe elaborate on that a little bit as well and some of the things you had to go through and, and how you pushed through the, the racism and the discrimination to still be successful and achieve what you want to achieve? Well, and that's the thing, you know, over the years, uh, I was involved in football, for example, uh, nine years after high school. So I played five years Canadian junior, won a national championship. Uh, with the Colts and then went down to the States and played another four years U.S. college. And I remember I told my dad uh, the first time, uh, first time I told my dad that I had received a scholarship to play down in the United States. And his comments word for word were, they're going to hang you from the first tree that they find. And that was the perception at the time as it relates to playing football at the U.S. college level in the Midwestern state. I would subtly see and hear um, comments from individuals as it relates to my background, my experience. But then 
with that, I always chose to address it head on. Case in point, I had a player who was coming into town, a new recruit, and it was heard that he um, hated black people. And so I walked up to him and I asked him, point blank when he arrived, I heard he hate black people. Why is that? And he proceeded to tell me that he had lost his best friend's father. He had witnessed his best friend's father brutally murdered by uh, a set of black gangsters. And he had developed a prejudice against gangbang wannabe type individuals. But he said, you know, I have no problem with you because you're articulate, you communicate well, and you, you don't portray that type of image, right? And that opening, that line of communication helped break down some of the barriers right off the bat. And too often, we don't communicate, we don't say what's on our mind, and we don't have the com- the hard conversations that are necessary to ensure that we're in a position where we can move forward as a society. If, if you don't communicate and don't get perspective on where somebody else is coming from, you don't know where they've been. And we ended up becoming pretty good friends from that point forward. And a lot of the, the struggles that we face as a society is a lack of understanding and lack of perspective on what is acceptable and what is not and what is is right and what is wrong. And by talking and having those lines of communication open, uh, we can get through a lot of problems. Wow. And, you know, that that does go back again to your goals of creating that safe environment. And I know for a lot of people wouldn't be uh, feel as safe or, or be, be able to address it head on such such as you have. And you think maybe I know locker room culture uh, is is a big thing and probably has some opposing views on it as well. And I know a lot of people think that type of behavior starts in the locker room. I, I believe that it is really starts at home and can be brought to the locker room. So would you agree to it? It does start with, with parents, coaches as well to really take that first step and educate. Because I know when I think back to when I was playing hockey in the locker room, we just said what we said and because we didn't even really think think we were doing anything wrong until I can say my parents told me, no, you can't say that. You don't talk like that. That's not funny. You know, it's, mm-hmm. would you say that's where it starts to is just starts with the education of the parents and passing that along? Uh, I believe, I believe that any type of mannerism or any type of um, habit is learned. And what ends up happening is the ability to have one stand up for um, somebody that's being marginalized or somebody that's being made fun of or what have you. No one wants to be uh, feeling like they're an outsider. And so if a number of individuals are bugging another another teammate or being in a position where they're they're calling out a teammate because of a, a difference in their their skin color or their orientation or what have you no one a lot of people don't feel comfortable standing up and that's exactly what needs to happen to educate individuals to change habits, to be able to call people out and say, you know what, that is not right to, to be in a position where you're saying that or or you're making fun of or sending an email or, or a text. You have to be in a situation where you're called out on those habits. I, I think if you are able to be brave and be a, a pillar for your team your community, your sport, then you can affect change. But until um, we have more people stand up for themselves and or stand up for their teammates, their friends, their family, we're going to continue to have issues. You, you touched on education and education is a huge component of letting individuals know what is right and what is wrong, what is just, what is not. 
And to be in a position where we utilize that an educational component to spell out the opportunities that individuals have in terms of not only playing the sport at the level that they're playing, but to play it in an honorable fashion is key. And I know there, there's still a, a long way to go. I, it seems like at least when you look back to even hockey in the 60s, 70s and, and where that locker room culture has come, you know, I think we've come a long way, still a lot of work to do, but what have you seen maybe in terms of, um, I guess, positive changes, if any, over the years, just with uh, racism, inequality in hockey becoming a more prominent uh, issue and more widely talked about. I know when you look back to just the last couple of weeks and a pair of incidents in the, the East Coast Hockey League and the American Hockey League, I know I could think back. I don't think those issues got talked about as widely as as these last two even were. So have you seen that, that positive change over the years? Well, I've seen a, a huge positive change over the years as it relates to where hockey has been to where it's going. Um, individuals are feeling more confident in, in terms of standing up for themselves and standing up for teammates and saying what's right and what's wrong. And you're starting to have organizations, associations, and professional organizations supporting those individuals in, in terms of listening to their stories and then taking action based on um, whatever infractions or whatever um, situ- the situation might be. The key then for, for associations like Hockey Alberta and, and organizations like Hockey Canada is to, to ensure that we support people in terms of not only listening to their messages, but then taking action in terms of making sure that individuals feel comfortable in terms of providing their stories, but also um, that action is taken when uh, somebody is wronged in terms of being uh, racialized or minimized based on their, their, their background. And yeah, and, and moving now on to, to the subject of February being Black History Month and how important is it for the young athletes of color out there and young black athletes this month in particular to see the celebration of those athletes who did push through discrimination and racism and adversity and really carry that on throughout the year, every year, pretty much celebrate that every day. Well, it's I, I feel that it's hugely important that individuals of color and or um, individuals that have different backgrounds, orientations, see like-minded individuals or symbols of themselves in sport. If you're going to grow a sport or you're going to grow any type of organization, as a, as a Black person, I'd want to see other Black people who have forged the trails um, ahead of time to to reassure, it would reassure me in terms of, you know what, I can do something similar and, and, and forge my own path. It's always difficult to be the first person out there to blaze a trail. But if you've had others that have done it before you, it makes it a lot easier. And it's neat to see that there's so many individuals of color that have provided um, steadfast role models in, in the sport of hockey. I know um, uh, a number of them that are in a position where they just want to give back to the game and they want to give back to the community. And so it's really neat to see. I'm looking forward to seeing some of the young up and coming athletes in, in terms of the sport and, and what they have to offer and the, the future that they can provide the uh, uh, their sport for sure. I think it's safe to say with with the work you're doing and the passion you have towards the the diversity inclusion committee and making a difference, I think it's safe to say you are a role model. And do you have any advice for those young athletes out there who might unfortunately come up against racism, adversity, inequality, and how they can push through to achieve their goals and, and still enjoy the game? 
Well, one of the biggest things that I would say to any athlete that's wanting to to pursue a path, as, especially as it relates to hockey or any sport, is to ignore the naysayers uh, and and be in a position where you look at what you need to do as an athlete and not worry about what everybody else is doing. Mainly, being in a position where um, if you're going to pursue something, pursue it with everything, yeah, 100%. Um, I always say that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And you've got to be in a position where you realize that there are going to be some bumps in the road. There are going to be some trials and tribulations, but it's how you deal with those trials and tribulations and how you deal with the adversity that determines your outcome. Um, I was always told that I was too short to play the, the sport of football. But I made up for it in, with size and speed. The same that can be said with athletes as it relates to the sport of hockey. I've seen plenty of athletes that might not be as skilled, but they work their butts off and they're willing to do what they need to do in order to be the best player that they can be and the best teammate that they can be. So remember, the key is putting in the work and reaping the benefit. I say with our my company, uh, we provide uh, sport training solutions and what have you, that hard work pays off. And if you can put in the hard work that's necessary, it'll pay off in the future. Oh, well, a great note to end on. I think that's great advice. And Anton, we, we won't keep you any longer, but thank you so much for doing this. Again, these, these are hard conversations to have. And I think when we go back to saying that the key thing is education, and we really appreciate you taking the time to, to share your story and share a little bit about the diversity diversity inclusion committee and uh, the work that's being done so far. So thank you for taking the time to do this and thank you to you and the entire committee for the work you're doing to, to make our game safer and make sure that hockey is for everyone. No, thank you, Ted, for having me. And you know what? Um, um, I can't say enough about the committee. We've, we've got a really diverse, passionate group of individuals. And and to know that uh, we're making a difference in the sport means everything. So uh, on behalf of uh, our committee, I'd like to thank Hockey Alberta. And thanks for the opportunity to make a difference in, in people's lives. Huge thank you again to Anton Joseph for shining some light on the steps being taken to make sure hockey really is for everyone in our province, which means sometimes having those tough, honest conversations and admitting that the game we love isn't perfect. It's hard to talk about, and that's why we really appreciate Anton, TJ, and Turner all coming on the podcast to share their stories, not just about the adversity they faced, uh, because again, those are tough conversations, but it's also great to celebrate all of their success. So with that, another episode of Center Ice comes to a close. A huge thank you one more time to all of our guests, to Kara Spady, and of course, to producer Steve for putting it all together. I'm Ted Emmett. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Center Ice Podcast. For this episode and more, head to HockeyAlberta.ca. If there's a topic you'd like covered on an upcoming episode, email info at HockeyAlberta.ca.